0: So what's going on, Candy?
1: Well, um my life isn't as interesting as yours. I didn't go to Santa Barbara. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not that interesting, but I can tell you it's one of my favorite little day trips from LA. Yeah. It's an hour and a half away and you feel like you're on vacation. This this the vibe of Santa and you're Barbara by the beach. About oh. the beach. So that's the best part. Yeah, we sat by the beach for a while. We saw dolphin uh, swimming. It, uh-huh. it was it was wonderful. And of course, you know we can't go to Santa Barbara without a little bit of wine tasting. Right. So I went to a few of our favorite tasting rooms and just had a lovely day. I just love that.
1: That sounds fabulous. I need yeah. to do that. You did. Yeah. So. Um, we are thrilled to have my friend, Hayes Hawk. I have known Hayes since Yaya was in diapers. So over 20 years. And Hayes, she's kind, I mean, Hayes is, she's an actress. She's a singer. She's a dancer. She's a midwife. She's a doula. You're an herbalist. You're like a, a little witchy witch. Um, and, um... Hayes, have I forgotten
2: anything? Uh, I'm a childbirth educator and a, a trainer yes. of Google's. <laughs> yes,
0: yes.
1: So,
0: I, I think Hayes is a is, um, true definition of a Renaissance woman. Just yes. like so, doing so many things, doing so many things that are so good and so helpful.
1: Right, right. So Hayes, I mean, we could just have a, a podcast about Hayes and the different facets <laughs> of what she does. But Hayes is here to talk about being a birth doula. Now, okay. my childbearing years are over, as is yours. And I kind of wish I knew Hayes before I had Yaya. Well, n- she wouldn't have been there because I had Yaya in the car. But um, <laughs> we are at the phase now where our kids are going to be the next generation having Baby, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we want to talk about how you got into that work, case.
2: Oh, you know, I did a very hard pivot. As, as you mentioned, I was, have been always a theater baby and I've always been a dancer. Um, and I was in a ballet company until I was like 16, 17. Um, but I got pregnant with my son, Jahi. And I, out of nowhere, decided I was going to use a midwife. Now, none of my friends had babies yet. None of my friends had gotten married. Nobody talked about midwifery. I knew somewhere in the back of my mind that my grandmother was, there were like 20 kids, but she was, they were midwifery born, right? They had the Mm -hmm. the Alabama midwife who birthed them. And I guess that's where I pulled it from, but I was very clear that that's what I was going to do. Anyway, there was this woman who was there with my midwife and they were best friends. And she said, I can help you. I can support you if you would like, I'm I'm here. And I looked over at my then husband, now friend, and I, he just looked terrified. And I thought, sure. Yes. help me." It was a parenting choice right then and there. Mm -hmm. And, And then literally an hour and a half, two hours in looked at her and I said, what is this that you're doing? Because you're absolutely saving me. What is what is this? She said, well, I'm a doula. And I said, okay, what's a doula? And I literally grabbed my journal that I'm never away from. <laughs> and
1: while, while you were in labor, you had your journal with okay.
2: you. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. And I'm writing down. She was... Uh, a nutritionist. She was a Reiki practitioner. She was a life coach. She had gone through ordination school. She was a, um, um, a uh, what else was she? She did all these things. Oh, herbologist and a homeopathic um, practitioner. Literally. Sounds um, like you. I wrote mm-hmm. everything down and she says, why don't we do this after you have your baby? And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just going to write it down now because I get, I'm getting it. It's, it's, yes. Mm-hmm. So I literally, after Jahi weaned when he was three, started getting certified in all the things she was because she didn't have to use everything on me. Her bench was deep. And I could see that if you ever needed to be supporting somebody in birth or in death or, you know, life, that any of these tools would be really handy. I started, I did every single thing, <laughs> did every single thing. And then I became a postpartum doula first and I was preparing food for families Right? because nutrition is important I've, in pregnancy right. and postpartum. Um, and I, at the time I was a personal chef and a caterer anyway. So that's what I did first because I could take my baby on my back and do the things I needed to do. Then I became a labor doula, a birth doula. And then, by accident, I became a midwife assistant because I caught a baby. I was bringing in postpartum food because she was in labor. I saw the midwife on the way out. She's like, oh, she's not going to do anything until the morning. I'm like, oh, okay, great. I'm just going to drop this off, prep her some little food, and I'm going to leave. And literally while I'm doing that, she starts moaning and groaning in a way that I'm like, that doesn't sound like it's tomorrow morning to me. Yeah. I had a kid. I know what that sounds like. And so I go in there. I'm like, honey, you all right? Anything? Want some tea? Want some water? She's like, Ugh! Yeah. I called the midwife. Like, so, um, you should come back. Because yeah. she's feeling rectal pressure. And she's, she's moaning and groaning like it's imminent. I don't think it's tomorrow. I think it's now. She said, no, 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 no. It's not. It's not. Just tell her to... um." What she say, drink some water, turn on her side, and go back to sleep. And I said, okay, okay, okay. So I did that. And she actually went back to sleep. I was like, oh, all right, fantastic. Literally, I've gra- gathered my things. I'm on my way out. And she says, Haze, I feel the baby coming. I'm like, no, my God. No, no. Wow. I've had a baby, but I've never at this point had assisted a baby. Right. So I call the midwife, and I'm I'm like this, and I'm like, okay, where's her stuff? I find her gloves, and so I put some gloves on. And I call the midwife. And I'm like, so um, there is uh, like the baby, the, she feels the baby coming. I can see um, keyhole, little keyhole,
3: mm-hmm.
2: then, um, bulging, like this. Her perineum's bulging. She was like, oh my goodness. Well, oh my goodness. I said, no, 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 no. I need you to get in the car and go. Right. I put my hands where I think they'd be helpful. And that was just really on the perineum. You don't need to be doing all that other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I put my hands on the perineum. and I said to the mama, I said, you're doing great. You know how to do this. This is perfect. Just keep doing what you're doing. And she's like, well, aren't I supposed to push? I said, if you feel like pushing, you can push, but you can also breathe. And she just, her baby just, they don't know. Came like, out. Eyes open tracking, kind of looking around, <laughs> just amazing. And I, I was like, okay, baby's not crying. And midwife said, well, baby doesn't necessarily have to cry. What color is the baby? I was like, a beautiful dusty caramel rose. She was like, perfect. And she, <laughs> and she said, um, feel the cord and tell me what you're feeling pulse-wise. And I said, oh, okay. I, and I'd seen that before, so I, I knew mm-hmm. that. I put my hand on it, and then I was just like,
1: Uh uh-huh yeah i told her
2: how many i saw and and she was like oh perfect Perfect. this is great i'm on my way and this is the first time i'd seen this midwife um like totally not done she was always done and perfect right yeah she came in and i was like oh well hello (laughs) nice to meet you and she delivered the placenta i watched and i just became her assistant and helped her with everything she told me what to look for on the baby and to this day i'm really good babies. And usually like if there's like grunty or they're wet lungs or something like that, to this day, I kind of already can get it and know it and postural drainage and do all the things. And they're Mm -hmm. fine. Very seldom have I ever had to do any type of size. Maybe a blow-by or something. Mm -hmm. But never 20-something years, 23 years. Wow. Yeah, so that's how I became a midwife assistant. And she said, you should become a midwife. And I was like, "Uh -uh, no, I'm not... Too much responsibility. I'm just, nope. (laughs) And so I noticed the difference, though, between the education for my clients who were having home births and the education of my clients who were doing hospitals. I did half and half at the time. I still Mm do that. And and I just thought it was unfair. So that's really the reason why I went to midwifery school. So I could Mm -hmm. understand the medical aspect because the training is the same. We just don't specialize in surgery.
1: Right,
2: right. Lies birth. So I don't. But everything else, contraceptive, any of the blood tests, any of the cultures, the well women, the, you know, all those things, midwives can do.
1: Mm-hmm. So, go ahead, go ahead. What yeah,
3: no, it, was a, it was a fluke.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it Seems like a fluke, but it seems like a natural progression to me. You know, in your in in your journey. Um, Um, so if I want a doula, what, what would a doula do? What do you meet with clients beforehand?
2: I do. I do. And most doulas meet with their clients at least two or three times. I do a little bit more because I'm, I'm really clear that we have to build a relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's, you just, it's a vibe thing. Everybody knows the information. Everybody knows what to do. Do you feel safe? Do you feel seen? and do you feel supported? And that takes time and a relationship and that has to happen in proximity. And otherwise, you know, so I do a lot of home visits with my clients prenatally. Um, and I'm really setting them up for their birth ceremony. You know, I'm, it's all about the mindset. Yes, everybody knows the physical things and I go over that. But the mindset around birth, the fact that you have to make friends with pain and discomfort and know that they're going to walk alongside of you and you just, mm. just don't judge it. You just experience it. You know, so getting them ready for that type of thing is important. Oh, I'm really heavy on nutrition. I don't take a lot of things out, but I put a lot of things in. So we're setting up a relationship that has to understand really And this goes for people who are birthing in the hospital, too, because I think this is one of the main problems, is that they are the primary care provider for themselves. They have to do their emotional processing. They have to make sure that they're eating well, a full balanced plate, a colorful plate. They have to do their exercise, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be a whole thing. They can go walking, hiking in nature. That's the best thing, right? Dancing, really, that's the best thing. Um, but they're in charge of that. I'm not going to, I'm going to ask them about it to make sure that they're on point because that also builds up their stamina, their endurance, and it tones their body so that they're ready for the birth ceremony. Um, The primary care people, they have to oversee themselves. They're not giving their power away to somebody who sees them the month. You know, they Mm -hmm. have to do it. So I have to kind of reframe what this looks like. They're responsible. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm there just as somebody who's dove into this world and understands a few things. And so if something happens, I can say, oh, you can change this blood issue in two weeks. This is what you need to do. Or, oh, you're, you're almost close to risking out of care for gestational diabetes. Let's do this.
3: Mm -hmm. Let's
2: get you on these things. Right. So that's, that's kind of what I'm doing, and that's just because I have a little bit of understanding of nutrition and the medical process, right? Doulas do different things. So, some doulas will focus on the emotional life of the mama and the family, some will do nutrition, some will do body work, some do physical activity and help them to be in shape because, you know, we're in la la land. So, a lot of people are very concerned about their figures. That, that also can happen. That's not really what my, my thing is. I'm about relationships with self and relationships with the partner, keeping that family together and about them showing up powerfully in the vulnerability of birth. Like I want them mm-hmm. to have every possible chance to have a physiological birth, an uninvasive birth. If something does need to happen, that they're very clear on what they're choosing and what they're saying yes and no to.
0: So Hayes, you mentioned that you will work with um, the parents, the mama um, prenatally. When does that start? Is that first trimester, second? When
2: do you jump in? It depends on when they find me. Some people find okay. me at five, five weeks. Like, oh, okay. That's kind of early. And then I'm, I, <laughs> I walk, it's kind of early. And I, and I say that because sometimes it's early, because there's anxiety or fear or concern for that right, mom right.
3: And that tells mm-hmm.
2: me something too, right? That mm-hmm. tells me, oh, okay, I'm going to have to do some emotional work with this one. Mm-hmm. Got, you know, we have, That kind of tells me where I'm going if I choose to right. work with them. Because I don't work with everybody. I'm very picky about who I work with um, because it's so intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people find me, as they feel better after they get out of that 14 to 18 week cycle, they're getting ready to, you know, they're just in the midst of that second trimester. Most people find me then. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to work with people once they've had their anatomy scan too, like, I, because then we got more information, right? Mm-hmm. And then I can prep mm-hmm. them up for all the tests and the things that are about to come. Right. So, I do a lot of prep about what they're going to do when they go into the OB's office. And I'm the one that's answering the questions that the OB, because they see so many people, just does not have time. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. If they have the time, they don't have the time. <laughs> right? Um, right. I do have some OB friends who are very um, adamant about taking a lower volume so that they can take the time, but they don't have the time. And so, but I do. My appointments are an hour long like a midwife would do. And um, I'm answering all the questions and letting them see the reasons why this test might be really good for you to do because look at your family history. This might Mm, be a really good mm. test to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm, I'm kind of doing all that. And so that's prenatally, of course, is the education, the prep for the birth ceremony, but it's also the prep for postpartum because that's a missing piece that's not really handled well. And um, there's ways to navigate it that actually would be beautiful, beautiful way for families to thrive in that time. Right. And for couples together, there being a wedge that's pushing them apart. makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. um, I love that you call it a birth ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, because having had three kids, I never thought of it as a ceremony Mm -hmm. I thought it I thought I'm a physician so I thought of it as a medical condition that a doctor was going to help me through and um it's beautiful when you think of it as just this natural process but um how do you support women in the labor how do you show up for them?
2: Oh, I, I usually am laboring with them at home. Like I have them do early labor together. And then when it gets to be a little bit more than they can handle with each other, because it's easier to be with the person that you're most comfortable with the person that you love, who already can make you soft, who already understands your body. And that, that is an easy thing for them to navigate when it gets to the point where they can't navigate it. That's when I come to the home Mm -hmm. and, um, it's is I come into the home, kind of like you're you're getting into a pool, a warm pool, and you don't want those, you don't want it to ripple. Right? So I'm coming in and I'm getting low with the mama. So I'm looking up at her, and, um, and I'll just smile, just check in. I might rub her her back just to see how she's handling things. Um, when I do this, I usually tell the partner go to the bathroom or go grab some water or go eat something. And, you know, then come back in when you feel nourished. Um, I might say, I might say something like, "Um, are you, are you being with us in a good way? Are you judging anything? And um, because I do encourage them to have a childlike curiosity about the journey the labor walk is, a, is an exploration into themselves as well as a rite of passage and a birth of their child. You meet yourself on that labor walk in a, in a way that very seldom is possible to happen unless you put yourself into some kind of extreme condition like survivor or something like that, right? Um, and this one you can... Do with grace, and you can do with excitement, and um, and some of the things as you're walking in the labyrinth, you might not like. The beautiful thing about the rite of passage of the ceremony is that you can lay those things that no longer serve you down, making those choices in that ceremony, and not pick them up again. And by the time you have birthed your child, that sacred portal. You've also birthed yourself anew. Everybody's transformed if they allow for the transformation to happen. It is a transformative event. It's not a pathology. It can be a pathology, right? Because people don't know how to take care of themselves, so it can turn into that. But for a low-risk mom who wants to have a deeper, more meaningful, transformative event, they find me.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, you you talk about are you judging yourself?
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And
1: I think about my deliveries and I judged myself. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, the first child was a C-section and I felt like I didn't do it right. I was almost apologetic for needing a C-section. And then, um, you know, like I, I, think of judging myself by experiencing the pain and saying millions of women billions of women have gone through this why does it hurt you so much mm-hmm. and um it really it really did does interfere with your kind of fully being present in the ceremony chidi can you think of any way you judged yourself
0: well wow. I had to have three scheduled C sections. So um there are times where I still hear today people say, Well, if it's not natural, then you didn't do it. It doesn't count. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, I just needed my babies out of me. Um, and I didn't have a choice in the matter, you know, based upon my previous history. Um with my uterine fibroids, etc. But I, I've always tried to share with um, women who are, you know, pregnant and eventually going to go through labor, that it doesn't matter how the baby gets out, just as long as the baby gets out and the baby and you are healthy. So I, I try to remove that because I hear people say, I'm not going to do an epidural because that's not natural. Mm-hmm. Like, do what exactly. works for you. Right. Yeah. Right. So
1: this brings up something else. You can also be a doula for a woman who has a C-section. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, do- it doesn't have to be at home in a tub. It can be any form of birth because a physiologic changes. Are the same.
2: Yep, exactly. Exactly. So I have supported women who know they're having cesareans and they still want a deeper experience around that and they want to be educated still around nutrition for their recovery. Mm-hmm. They want to understand lactation. Um, you know, so it's still it's still possible. And I hear you, Judy, when you say that because there's a lot of judgment in the world, period, right? And especially for <laughs> Reason around how women choose to do the thing, right? Um, but birth is birth; it's just a different window. Mm-hmm. Um, and a woman's choice is a woman's choice. I don't care if she wants the de- epidural. Then I'm going to help her decide when's the best time to get that epidural. She knows she's going to mm-hmm. get it. Let's try to get that when you're in transition. Let's. Let, can you? How's that sound? How's that feel? That way, she doesn't have. So much medication, she more than likely won't need as much Pitocin, if any. Usually, if I get a, a, a client to have an epidural when they're in transition, they don't need the Pitocin.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: And then the, the OBs that I work with a lot, they will, you know, because they know me, they will say, okay, let's see how she does with the bleeding. If she doesn't need the Pitocin, we won't give her one. And postpartum, I'm like, fabulous. Let's just see what she, her body can mm-hmm. do, you know, um, because it hasn't been doing so much and been worked so hard with the Pitocin, it doesn't usually need, you know, help to start stop the bleeding and things like that. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. All of how, that's important. How, how do you work through the pain? Cause that pain that I have had, it, it, I felt like I was going to die.
2: Yeah. Again, that's part of the mindset work, right? Understanding what pain is and what pressure is. Understanding what discomfort is. Knowing that it's, when you think of pain, you think of the word pain. I break this down in my childbirth education classes. I'm like, P is for purposeful. You know what it's doing. Know what the pain is existing there for. A, it's anticipated. You know it's coming. The I is that it's intermittent. It's going to stop It's going to come and go, come and go. And the N is that it's necessary. Right. And then I explained to them, I'm like, look, your contractions are a minute long. The peak of the contraction is the most intense. That's 12 to 13 seconds. So if you're looking at your waves like this, you've got uh, like one, two, three, five minutes in between. 12, 13 seconds at the peak of three. I think you can do that. Let's try. It. Let's lose our breath. Let me get on your body. I do lots of massage. Sometimes I'm massaging for six hours. And I just get into a meditation with it. So I don't even notice that so much time has gone until I finish doing acupressure and she says, Oh, my hips, my back. Oh, and I know we're close. So I'm doing acupressure mm-hmm. to open up her hips and her sacrum and her body, right? And I'll realize, Oh, I've been doing this for six hours or five hours or whatever. Um, Usually, if you're supporting them, they can navigate it. They, you, they, you just have to be with them and on them and give them ideas, um, like when to strategically get into the shower, when to be on the toilet, when to squat, when to be on hands and knees. Let's do this rebozo. Let me give you some. There's so much things, so many things you can do to help navigate the pain. But again, it's the prep work. Let's see, I give them lots of activities, lots of exercises to do to help them how to be with their discomfort. And I take them to the edge of a little bit of, you know, so, I mean, some, some of them have said it's been painful, but uh, most of them say it's uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. But because of these exercises, by the time they go into labor, they're able to navigate it beautifully.
1: I love that acronym. When you, yeah. were, say- when you were saying it and you mentioned the I, I thought it was going to be intense, not intense. <laughs> That is really good because when you're in that labor, it feels like the 13 seconds, it feels like forever. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But oh, I think boy. the way you break it down, Hayes, like gives it, like puts a different perspective on it. Yeah,
1: it certainly does.
0: And I, I mean, I wrote it all down. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing this anytime soon, uh, <laughs> but I wrote it down because I think it is just to think about it in advance of pain in these ways.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you go into it with a different attitude.
2: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and I also mentioned to them in my class and this always gives them pause. <laughs> I've traveled to India and to Africa, Cuba, all these places to study birth and traditional midwifery and every country I've been to, even even Russia, every every place, they don't have a thing about instant gratification and about comfort that we do in America.
1: Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, life is mm-hmm. going
2: to be uncomfortable sometimes, but they also know that there'll be joy in sometimes a joy there that they mm-hmm. can find, and and that. a long way because we're all navigating things that are really intense and and i use that pain acronym also when i'm sitting with clients who's um i'm helping them with their family members transitioning because we're going to feel all those things we know that they're going to have a last breath how about if we reframe that last breath and we celebrate it for a life well live the same way we celebrate the first breath When it, you know, we know it's going to be uncomfortable, we know it's going to be intense, but there's going to be such joy in the midst of it at the same time. So I encourage my clients to drop into gratitude so that they Mm -hmm. can remember the joy and the joy brings them back to love and it brings them back to gratitude again. So they can be grateful that their body's doing what they needed it to do. Body's working, they can be grateful that their baby's healthy, they can be grateful that they're supported. Like there's things that you can do. It's just a different way of looking at big intense moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I think of um, uh, my first daughter's 24 hours, and it was she was born at 7:30 in the morning, and I would say at four o'clock in the morning the next day was just both of us in that hospital room. And I had had a C-section, so the nurse gave her to me. And that, I, I, it was hormonal. I've never felt such joy in my entire life. It is something, like if I could bottle that up. Mm. Mm. But I, it, it, was, it was so incredibly intense. And I, I tell her about that. And of course it makes her feel special, but it was it was such a joyful thing. And I felt so fulfilled and so wonderful looking at this baby that I had created. And um, I go back to that. Uh, it, it's just like chasing the dragon because I want to have the feeling again, you know? Yeah. But I, 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 I didn't have it with the next two and every birth is different. Yeah. Um, it doesn't diminish my love for the other two, but wow, to to get that is huge. And some women don't get that and they feel that because they don't have that. Like they don't have that intense love that I had in that right. moment. It, it, it kind of makes them feel less than,
2: but that's normal too. It is normal too. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, that's why I do so much work in the, pre- the prenatal aspect of pregnancy, because I want them to dive deep into how they feel about themselves. Do they love themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Do they do they feel connected to this baby? Like we do a lot of work around a lot of inner work. Because look, if depending on where that woman is, if she's hanging out in the girl archetype or the young maiden archetype, if she's not yet fully in her woman, and we expect her to become a mother in a few hours, that that's a leap. That's a long. That's going to be mm-hmm. a very intense ceremony. That's going to be a very hard one, right? Because a, girl, a child can't have a child like that and do it well. So to get her to the place where she is a fully realized self-esteem is high worth, understood um, that she love and her capacity to love and give love is understood. So when she's connecting with the baby, because I do a lot of guided meditations so that the families can connect with the baby, the idea of that love pouring out is already, they're already tapped. It's just, we're just waiting,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. right? It's already tapped in. You can have that same feeling. The cesarean is just about doing the work that you need to do in your inner life so that you're not thinking because your body has not failed you because you have a cesarean
3: mm-hmm. that,
2: that's not it and that's a common misconception um, because the, I, I wish I could explain this but if nobody hears me it's not just about the physiological physiology and the anatomy that baby has its own will too that baby decides how it's coming.
0: <laughs> <Good> <laughs> I know you all
3: Good the point.
0: things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have um Candy, you started to say this, um, but when a mother is, you know, maybe not feeling attached um to their to their newborn. And I'm thinking postpartum depression.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because that is a very, very real thing. Mm-hmm. Um and I had a a a previous client of mine who, you know, just kind of out of the blue contacted me after she and she had suffered from depression when she was an adolescent. Um and just was just checking in with me and shared that she had had a baby and she was feeling this depression. Um and you know, we talked and we caught up and I said what you're talking to me about is postpartum depression. And she's like, I'd heard about it, but nobody talked to me about it. And I didn't know if that could happen or just really confused about this message of postpartum depression and what it is. So when I took the time to share with her how that can, you know, manifest itself, it was, um, you know, something new to her. And I think A is when you're talking about that educational piece with your moms, yeah. with the dads. You know that that's a part of it, and to be mindful of that, and to recognize those symptoms, and if you need the help, to get the help.
2: Yes, I go. I spend a heavy amount of time on postpartum, postpartum mm-hmm. depression, psychosis, all the things um, for the past. I mean, we've always lived in a state of trauma, but, but the past eight years has been such a heightened state of, of like, the, the world is crazy right now, and mm-hmm. women who are carrying babies through this thing, I just can't imagine. Um, so I did a lot of work, and I actually learned a lot and increased things during the um, pandemic because... So much stress, so much anxiety, so many people were depressed, and okay, this needs to be addressed. So, I figured out ways to address it, to educate them on it, to help them navigate it, and then to help them possibly like just not even go there. Like, there's mm-hmm. some of it's chemical, hormonal, but some of it is life, right? And, um, So I spend a lot of time. uh, I also do a lot of postpartum visits because I want to make sure that everybody's thriving. And it's not strange for me to check in on somebody at six months. How are you doing? Because postpartum is not six weeks.
3: Mm -mm. I know. Mm -mm. I know.
2: Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You can go. No, no. Postpartum is really true. I mean, it takes a year to recover from a vaginal birth.
1: Right. Postpartum is really
2: technically three years. Wow. Mm. It's three years. Um, so there's a lot that can happen. And when you see some depression doesn't happen for a year, two years. Mm-hmm. So I as I tell my clients, you're postpartum for life. You're always going to need a doula, which is why I have people who call me. Their kids are 18. And they're like, so, hey, what can I do about what? Mm-hmm. What What should I take if I still? And now their kids call me. Hey, um, can I take this if I'm on this medication? I'm like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that, that's, that's really a great feeling. I'm a community birth worker. It is not, mm-hmm. it means the whole package, you know, how back in the day, the granny midwives were the counselors, the farmers, the teachers, the pastors, right. all the things,
1: everything. Just- <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> that's a community birth worker, right? Yeah. So you just become all these different things, and especially I have families who, I mean, their couples aren't doing well. They'll call me and they say, "Can you counsel? Can you, you know, hold us as we, we're going through a rough patch?" Of course, it's my pleasure. I've already known them in such an intimate way that this is not a thing, and right. um, and I can shoot straight from the hip, in a loving way, of course. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Always mm-hmm. leave love, but um, yeah, I you just do whatever's needed so that family and those communities stay healthy and thriving. Like that's important to me. That's my focus. Right.
1: So in our next phase of life,
2: mm-hmm.
1: hopefully we'll be grandparents. How can we, as women who have birth children, support our children in? A way that's loving and
0: kind. Well, we're going to call Hayes. Yes. There we go. That that, that
1: will be the gift package. (laughs) And you're pregnant. I called Mama Hayes. Yeah. You you know, the thing is, like, you hear about these overbearing grandmothers. That's what
2: I was going to say. Best thing that a parent can do is listen and honor the choices of their children. That's the hard one because Mm -hmm. they have to become the heads of the family. It's not meaning that you guys don't have a seat at the table, different seat. They have to be the parents and the head of the household and the mom and the dad or the mom and the mom, whatever way it's happening. They are now the head of their family and they have the right to make choices. And they might not be like yours. Right. But you Mm -hmm. honor their choice. Now, they come to you and say, I'm not sure about this. Then you go go full
3: Mm-hmm.
2: right but until then you just show up and honor everything that they want and and then another thing that you can do this is oh i usually have to come in and like heal relationships <laughs> because we have a you know cause, and i'm working on myself because you know Jahi's 31 this december and that means there could be grandkids soon and i got to get it together myself right mm-hmm. What I see a lot of times is they come to help. And, you know, that's the first thing. Don't come to hold the baby. They don't need that. You get, you, Of course, you'll get to hold the baby. But what they need is you to facilitate their lives so that they can learn their baby and learn how to change the diaper because it's awkward. Learn how to pass the baby to each other because it's awkward. Learn how to not lose the head because we all lose the head. They're going to lose the head, but they don't want to do it in front of loving but judgmental and opinionated eyes. Mm-hmm. You yeah. should do this. You know when I what we did the. Oh yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Just help. Hand them diapers. Fix them food. Clean the kitchen. You see the the laundry always laundry in postpartum. Laundry must be done. Right. Kitchen must be clean. There always must be food. Those are the things. If the dog needs to walk, and walk the dog. Take out the trash. But judge them. Just yeah, observe yeah. them lovingly and tell them they're doing a great job. Because everybody messes up at first. The baby's going to roll off of something; they all do. The baby, <laughs> you're going to get water in the baby's eyes. The baby's—you're go, going to lose the baby's head. It, everybody does it. Nobody knows what they're doing. Right. How many kids you had? You still don't know what you're doing until you know what you're doing. That just takes right. time, right. And practice, and, right? Um, and there's so many opinions that they have to navigate. But I tell them it's really important that they make up their mind as a family, how they're raising their kid, feeding their kid, if they're wearing their kid, how long they're breastfeeding if they are, what type of education they're going to do, how they're disciplining. All those things matter, but they got to choose it and decide because if they don't, everybody's going to be raising that baby, but them.
0: Yeah, everybody has an opinion. And I think um new parents, whether it's your first or third, um, you're always getting like, oh, you should try, you should do, you should and it becomes overwhelming. Right. Yeah. And um it's I, I have a a a bunch of friends that are much younger than I am. So they're in they're just right in that sweet spot having babies. And I just encourage them to trust their instinct. Yeah, you can listen to people but what's working for you and your child. That's what you do.
2: Bingo. Exactly. They have to get that mother wisdom. They have to understand that that's, what's going to help them through the entire motherhood, parenthood, understanding their own intuition, their own call it our womb wisdom, because we don't have gut instincts. We have womb wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, And an intuition that just knows what to do but that also is a sense of self understanding yourself trusting yourself so right. again it goes back to that preparation
0: yeah you know i i think of um a story when maxine was i don't know 4 years old and this is i guess just my instinct in knowing my kid And um, we're living in San Francisco at the time. We're leaving her preschool. And there's like a sidewalk ledge, you know, raised like two or three feet, whatever. And she's walking on it. And, you know, it's San Francisco, so it's a busy street. People Mm -hmm. are walking by me. And Maxine jumps towards me. And I immediately extend my hand and I grab her. Like, I know my kid. And this man was like, how did you do that? Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, it, it's not that my eyes were off of her. I've always got her in the corner of my eye, and I knew what she was going to do, and I knew what I needed to do in response to that. But again, that doesn't happen overnight. They don't come yeah. with a manual. I could I have mean, done that day one, but by <laughs> four years old, yeah, I'm going to grab her. I know she's going to mm-hmm. jump. I know I'm going to catch her. But this <laughs> man on the sidewalk was like, amazing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I am. Yes, I truly am.
1: Oh, wow. Hayes, thank you so much for, um, you know, letting us know maybe half of 1% of what you do in life, um, you know, because you do so much. And, um, you know, Hayes is the type of person who, when you meet her and you talk to her and you find out what she did, you wish you could go back in time so you could use her as a doula. But um, I got three kids, so maybe I will experience the Haze magic uh, with maybe one of my three kids um,
3: if they want
1: to. If they want to. Um, But where can people find you if they're interested? And then Haze is also uh, a death doula, and you uh, perform rituals. Can you kind of give a synopsis of what you do? Around so, rituals.
2: Yeah, so the rituals, I, I, I'm called a, a milestone marker. Like every time I go to Africa, that I got the milestone marker, because I believe that it's important that we mark our achievements, that we celebrate our wins. And so sometimes that that looks like, oh my child is seven years old now, which is a very big important time energetically the psychic umbilical cord is cut and that child is fully in its own body doing its own thing and here on the planet, separate from,
3: mm-hmm. right?
2: And that is a nice time to acknowledge them. And so we I've got, some of them are traditional. Some of them I've created to recognize um, where the individual is. I created one for my son when he turned 16. Um, I wanted him to have a vision quest and I wanted the women in his life to celebrate him with the party and send him off with the men in his life. And you should have seen me trying to get these men. There. They were like, oh, what are you trying to do? Dad, both his godfathers, his uncle. Um, and
3: your father, your father was father, there,
2: wasn't he? My father mm-hmm. came. And they, I sent them all up into the mountain. Go be with turtle who um, I used to sit and do sweat lodge with. And so they all went up that mountain on a Friday. And then we received them Sunday night and made dinner and celebrated them. Let me tell you something. Jahi wasn't the only one who came down there different in, in, in his body and knowing his path. They all went through stuff. Mm-hmm. They all came back. And, they, and to hear them speaking about it, because they never had a, a chance to recognize anything that they've done like this. Um, I told them, I said, they're going to do a sweat lodge. You're also going to have to keep an eye on Jai, but he has to leave you and go away to camp and build his own site and his fire and he can't eat and he's got to pray all day, all night, and then find his way back to you guys. But of course they were making sure he was all right. And then they were back. back. Mm-hmm. Um, but to hear their whole journey and their whole, like it moved them. It it really was a profound experience for all of them. Mm-hmm. But it's something that Jahi still speaks about. Mm-hmm. He's 31 now. He's going to be 31. And that was when he was 16. And so I do things like that for children, but I also do it for adults. Um, on birthdays, um, around uh, healing, like and being in remission or, making it through, um,
1: divorce, the, divorce,
2: divorce. You
1: were there for me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That was beautiful. That was so powerful. It was.
1: Ooh. it really was.
2: That's the last it time. Really all your kids together in one place.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. that's true. Yeah. That was it. That was it. That yeah. was it. So where can we find you? Are you on Instagram or are you on Facebook or I'm
2: on Instagram at, um, what am I? I am Hayes Hawk. Uh-huh. And, I, and
1: that's H-A-I-Z-E-H-A-W-K-E.
2: Correct. Correct. And uh, mm-hmm. I am also on Facebook. I'm working on my website. There's a landing page there. I just, everybody just kind of finds me. It, I'm really mm-hmm. word of mouth. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to get it together, y'all. I'm going to get my, it's going to be done. I'm
3: you will. Done. You, you I will. will.
2: Something that doesn't interest me
3: <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's just
2: like hanging out but it looks really good
1: Okay, um,
2: uh, but yeah um, find me on Instagram
1: okay
0: well hey, hey, so I do want to thank you um, for taking the time to be with us today to talk about this um, and just to give, give us a little bit of insight um, we've done it but even like I'm reflecting on my experiences as you're mm-hmm. sharing um, and I there has always been this lovely warm energy about you mm-hmm. and i'm thinking when you talked about looking up at mom and talking to her your voice changed mm-hmm. and it became this this blanket mm-hmm. this this soothing mm-hmm. warm blanket and i i see or I can envision how much comfort you bring to these families. And um, I know their experience is, you know, just exceptional as a result of having you. So thank you for just sharing a little bit of your warmth with us today.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of 2 Soka. Please remember to like, follow, and share. We are on YouTube, the number 2 and then SOCA instagram to sisters of a certain age and reach out to us on our email to so podcast at gmail.com thank you so very much
3: no longer network